So we've got a sermon tonight on Christ-centred community. So, there's a lot that's happening in our world. Elon Musk bought Twitter. Don't know why. He bought Twitter. <laughs> Will Smith slapping Chris Rock in the face. Boom. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, I, I think I said that right, their court case. We've got the newest binge-worthy Netflix show that we all we, we also come to every now and then. TikTok videos for days that you can just scroll and scroll for hours. The newest game on Xbox, PlayStation or PC or if you're like me, you like Switches, but they bring out like one game a year. What crazy clothing some celebrity wore to the Oscars or the Grammys. ScoMo didn't handle that well. Why did, he, why did he go on holidays at that really particular time? Ten ways that you can eat whatever you want and not gain weight. Read on page five for that. The newest makeup or deodorant commercial that seems to be more promiscuous than any, any movie pre the 2000s. Um, the newest Coke ad where you kind of, as soon as you see it, you're just like, oh man, I'm so thirsty for Coke. Yep. Just by the way, that was my Cancun. Uh, I didn't grab a random one. Uh, <laughs> or the Uber Eats commercial that instantly tells you to like satisfy, like you had a you had a like a press conference, a press conference, or like you had a big day, you know, and you should treat yourself to Hungry Jacks or McDonald's, and instantly you're like, mm, Big Macs, Big Macs. Maybe it's the newest single from Ed Sheeran or your favorite kind of artist. There's so many things in our world at the moment. And it's, it's so, I'd, I'd call these spectacles. These, like, there's so many of these things that catch our attention, these, our attention, these spectacles. Things that seek to take our attention individually and kind of collectively. There's things that are always catching our eye. It's a very busy world that we live in. And we use our eyes to see this. We use our ears often to hear it. And we use our mind and our heart to contemplate these things, these spectacles. Our world is full of things that seeks to grab our attention and, our, and therefore our time. Whether it is a controversial politician or actor or musician or whatever it might be, or the newest Netflix series or anything on that list I just said, whatever it might be, there's heaps and heaps of things that are trying to take your, our time, individually and, and, and as a collective. There's heaps of things. We live in a world where we can easily be consumed by this. We can easily be consumed. You could say that we, are, that we can often, so often, have our lives centred at any kind of given time around each and every one of these kind of different things that the world's kind of putting at us. Maybe it is the Netflix show, and you can send your life around it. You're like, I need to watch the next episode of Stranger Things. I just cannot, I need to centre my world around this for just one night and not get sleep. Guilty. Um. <laughs> and sometimes this happens. It happens. And you think about it. We center our lives around this a lot. Um, often, I, I'd, I'd hazard a guess that a lot of us with phones um, would probably wake up and pick it up and look at it. Might kind of scroll through Facebook or some sort of social media uh, for a little bit. Um, and then maybe you, you put YouTube on on a laptop while you're eating breakfast. You know, you're just chilling out. And maybe you're consuming your time on the way to work or school or uni or whatever you're doing at the moment. And then when you get home, often our time can be consumed with technology again. It can be like, okay, let's watch some Netflix. Let's scroll the feed again. Let's see what's happening. And we're distracted over and over. Maybe there's heaps of news that's happening around our world and we're just ever consumed by everything that's going on 
in this really connected and fallen world. And these spectacles, they take and consume our attention. They can take our, um, consume our emotion. We can get really emotional about these things. They require something of us. They, take, they can require our affections as well, our love for different things. Even sometimes they can take our joy or consume that. And sometimes they even take our money. Often they do. Often we put a whole lot of money into these kinds of things, these spectacles, these things that take our time. And when our lives are so centred around these different things, we're actually becoming apprentices of them. It might not just be one thing, that's the thing. It might be multiple things that we're centering our lives around at any given time. We're becoming apprentices of these things. We're learning from them, yeah? We're learning from them. We're being shaped by them and who we are and aren't becoming We're spending lots of time on them and just like anything, if you spend enough time with a person or with some sort of, uh, uh, you put your attention on anything in particular, it will start to influence you. It will start to change you. It's a pretty common sense. Like the Bible does talk about it, but um, it's a a pretty well-known thing that you, whatever, whatever you spend your time with, will often shape who you are and who you're becoming. And we'll be apprentices to the spectacles and the distractions that happen in our world. And we've been going through this series called Apprentice of Jesus. Or Apprentices of Jesus. And the basic premise of this is that I use the word apprentice. The Bible uses disciple. And apprentice is probably the closest I could find to kind of that idea of what a disciple is. Um, And... So I'll use that. So most of you would know there's there's apprenticeships you could do. I haven't done an apprenticeship, um, so forgive me for my lack of knowledge. I need like Adrian or or, uh, (laughs) or someone else who's done it, but like a carpenter apprentice, yeah? For instance, spends a lot of time with a qualified carpenter. No way. Um, (laughs) No way. And they learn what it means to be a carpenter, yeah? They learn how to chop wood. They learn how to cut it at the right angles. They, they learn how to use different tools and how not to use different tools. They learn how to maybe make a cabinet. Maybe they learn how to make the frames of a house. Whatever it might be, they learn how to do this. Then they spend, but the only way that they can do that is if they spend time with the qualified carpenter. Yeah, um, They're not going to be able to do that if they're just sitting at home. Um, they spend time, they listen, they learn, they, they question, they spend time with this person. And then eventually they, they start becoming more like a carpenter. And then they start to do carpentry once they kind of know a little bit more. They get given a bit more a bit after a time. And in an even greater way, we're called to be an apprentice to Jesus. And in a greater way, we are called to be an apprentice of Jesus. And that is someone who spends time with Jesus, becomes more like him, and does what he does. Same kind of thing. We spend time with him, we become more like him, and we do what Jesus did. And that's the call of every Christian. That is the call of being an apprentice of Jesus. We spend time with Jesus through prayer, through reading the Word, through other different awesome practices that we've, we've um, seen in the Bible and that we've come up really creatively. We walk with Him throughout the day. We have the Holy Spirit to help us do this. It doesn't just stop at the Bible reading and prayer in the morning or night or whenever you do it. 
Um, he, he guides us. We spend time with him as we're doing our life. It's not like there's things that aren't um, covered by God in a way. We're going to work, we're going to uni, we're going to school. We're doing that with him. We're walking in step with him. We're spending time with him. We're listening to him and we start to become more like him as we listen to him. And what we find is that as we continue to listen and we spend time, we become more like him. And the more we can become like him, the more we start to do what he did. And it looks, it, it might not look exactly like what Jesus did all the time because it's a very different context um, in the first century to now. Um, but we learn and we become more like him and we do what he does in our particular context. So we be with him, we be like him, and we do what he did. And that's what an apprentice of Jesus is. That's what an apprentice of Jesus is. But my, my point really, before I get into the passage for today, is that if we are an apprentice of so many different kind of spectacles, different things in our world that try to take our time, then how, how can we be apprentice of Jesus? How can we do that? Jesus talks about this in, in the Sermon on the Mount in, in the book of Matthew, and um, where you actually can't serve two masters, yeah? You can't. Yeah? And one of the kind of the main things this is trying to cross is not that you can't just, you just have to isolate yourself and be like a monk or something like that and just like 24-7 you're with Jesus, like, or you can't, like, that's the only option. It's not saying that. It's like, it's a wholehearted type thing. You can't serve something half-heartedly. You can't serve God half-heartedly while you're over here, um, or at least you can't stay there. You've got you've to kind of turn the table. So you can't serve two masters at the same time. And in the same way, we, we shouldn't have two apprenticeships. We shouldn't be kind of worshipping and idolizing something else whilst trying to do it with Jesus because it won't, it won't work. It won't work. If our time isn't actually spent with Jesus, but rather kind of these other things that seek to take our attention... Um, and then we're, we're therefore not actually, we're becoming more like something else, then we're not really becoming more like Jesus. We're not spending time with him, we're not becoming more like him, and we won't, we'll way, way less be able to do what he did. So my point for tonight is that as apprentices of Jesus, as Christians, our lives need to be centered on Jesus, both individually and collectively. As apprentices of Jesus, our lives need to be centered on Jesus both individually and as his church, as a collective people. So I want to explore that. But I'm just going to pray real quick. Why don't you join me? Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you would bless it as we read it, Lord, that it would pierce our hearts, that this would convict us, Lord God, that you would be with us, that you'd be shaping and molding us, that we'd be able to come to you tonight, Lord, in full surrender. Amen. So, John chapter 17 verses 20 to 23 should be up on the back screen behind me um, or you can find it in your Bible as well. Can I grab the next slide, Nathan? All right. So, um, this is Jesus praying. And he says, my prayer, he's talking, sorry. And my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I, sorry, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, that oneness comes out again. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So it's a bit of a confusing thing as you, as you follow it, but we'll, we'll unpack it. It's a lot of... Um, Lord talks. But basically, Jesus is praying to God the Father. This is during his ministry on earth um, almost 2,000 years ago. Um, and yeah, Jesus was praying to, um, to the Father um, for those who are already believers, who are already followers at the time, particularly like the disciples and the big group of disciples that started to kind of grow. And he's, he's praying, the, the, what he was praying just before this was very similar to this prayer. He's, he's, saying, he's asking God, can you please unify them? Can you please work through them so other people can come to know them? And in this passage we just read, he's praying for the people that will come to know him after he's ascended to be with the Father. He's praying, a.k.a. for you and I, in a way, (laughs) and everyone in between since then and now and into the future. He's praying for us. He's praying that we, and the central kind of theme here is unity and oneness and that we'd be showing the love of Christ in that. It's quite a natural, it's a profoundly awesome prayer. It's really quite awesome. So verse 21, he prays that all of these people that will come to know him may be one. And the example that he gives, the example that he gives is the oneness that he kind of has with the Father, between Jesus and the Father. He gives that as an example of what he would desire for the people that would come to know him. And if you read the Gospel of John in particular, it's a fascinating Gospel. It's a really cool read. Um, and you'll see that, like, if really this is quite significant because the connection between the Father and between Jesus is it's intimate. It's, it, is, it is a huge focus of the book of John. Um, even as Chris pointed out last week in his um, message when we were doing a prayer, prayer kind of session out there, Jesus goes out regularly. I think it was like 25, 26 times he said or something like that. Yep, cool. Um, and he, re- he regularly goes to this quiet place, to a desolate place, or you could even call it a lonely place. In other words, he, was, he went by himself. And he wanted to center himself with God. It was as if Jesus was like, I just want to be with you, Lord. I want to spend time with you. I want to align my will with you. And I want to do what you have made me to do. It's a similar type of thing of what we're called to do. And we see over and over in the book of John that Jesus is totally consumed with doing the Father's will. He brings it up all the time. So like the... the um, like a lot of different people from different walks of life, kind of like, why are you here? What are you doing? Or like, who are you? Are you this person? And he, he seems to, not every time, but it comes up a lot. And he kind of, he keeps going back to, I'm just doing my Father's will. I'm here to do the Father's will. And I'm here for that and that alone. And over and over, he tells people why he is here doing the Father's will as his primary goal. And you see this, and that's just a couple of little things that you see over and over. He is just consumed with that relationship. And then and you see this interplay between Jesus and the Father throughout the Gospels even, but particularly in John. And it shows itself in many, many different ways. There's this oneness between them. Yeah, there's a unity. 
There's a uni. And Jesus and the Father, they have the same goals. It's not like Jesus kind of came down to earth and then he's just like, you know what, Dad? I don't want to do it anymore. See you. Or he just gets like uh, distracted by one of the things of his day. Back 2,000 years ago, maybe he didn't. No. He was consumed with doing the Father's will and having that unity there. And it's this kind of oneness, this kind of unity. Obviously, I don't, I don't think we can have it in the exact same way. There's a bit of a difference between us and God. But it's that kind of oneness and that unity that he gives an example of what he would desire for us to have with him. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. The per- like We've got the God of the universe, intimate in the Trinity. And he wants that kind of intimacy between us and him. That's insane. And this is why... Jesus says in verse 22 to 23, um, and you can read it again, that I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. So Jesus' desire for us is to have this kind of intimate, close relationship with him and almost in the, in the same kind of way that he has this relationship with the Father. And that's incredible. But how this happens, how this happens is through Jesus giving us the same glory. That's what it says in there. It it gives us the same glory. And this really isn't meaning kind of, hey, look at me, I'm awesome, come give me glory. That's that's not really what's going on getting across here. You, you, You don't really see even Jesus do that. Um, he, he's just like, I'm doing the Father's will. I'm doing the Father's will. Um, it's not about kind of looking at me. And, but it's more to do with this idea, sorry, with empowerment and like kind of this sonship and daughtership kind of from God. It's like empowerment. And what I mean is that Jesus gives us kind of this ability in the first place, this kind of glory to even be in relationship with him in the first place. Yeah? It's like we've, we, we are so far away from where God is we're at, at, through our sin and through God's empowerment, through him dying on the cross, he makes us, kind of, he gives us this empowerment, this glory to even just be in relationship with him in the first place. And that's, and it's kind of like, and we, he lifts us higher than we could ever get by ourselves. He lifts us higher than we could be ever by ourselves or ever could ever get to on our own merit. And he gives that to us. We get that kind of glory, that empowerment, that forgiveness. And who's like heard of the, the prodigal son? Yeah, that, that um, passage is a pretty well-known passage. And he, it, this kid, he goes off and he gets his father's inheritance and he just basically squanders it. He just uses it on all the awesome uh, spectacles, all the different things that are trying to take your attention. He just uses all the blessings that he got from his father and he uses it on just like kind of meaningless things and he gets distracted. And then he ends up with no money. He ends up with no money and he's kind of groveling. He ends up getting this job, kind of a job, and he's getting e- he's eating less than like the pigs are eating. Um, and he's just like, man, I, if only I could be a servant. If only I could just be a servant. Um, to my father, I'm going to give it a go. I'm just going to go back. I don't, I don't even want to be a son. I want to go back. And what happens is the father, he sees him from like a mile away and then he just sees him and he rejoices. He runs out to his son 
and he, he gives him a big old hug and he puts the best clothing on him. He gives him like a cool ring. He even puts on a huge feast and he's just, he puts the best sandals on his shoes and on his feet, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> sandals on your sandals. Um, <laughs> and you'd think that wouldn't be quite the kind of the reaction that the father would have had. Particularly because, like, back in that day, if you'd have asked your father for your inheritance before they were actually dead, you kind of, in, in a roundabout way, wishing that they were dead so you could have their inheritance. It's like a complete abandonment. It's horrible. And you don't expect them to respond this way. And this is what we see for us, that Jesus is the Father. The fa- Sorry, Jesus is not the Father. The Father, he, he welcomes us with open arms. Even though we've gotten kind of so distracted by the spectacles and the different things in our world and we've squandered the blessings that he has given us in the first place, he welcomes us back. But doesn't just make us a servant, he lifts us high. He lifts us so high and gives us that same kind of glory and we can actually have this oneness with him. And it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. But he doesn't also, he doesn't just kind of go, okay, you're back home now, but I'm not going to really talk to you. I'm not going to do anything about it. It's kind of like he's not, it isn't just a positional thing that I'm okay with Jesus and then I can kind of just do whatever I want now. That's not what that is. So it's not like you got a letter from the queen and you're like, okay, you're a part of the family now, but then you're still over here in your small house, don't have any of the inheritance. Uh, you never get to talk with the royal family. You never get to do anything like that. It's not like that. He kind of, he adopts us. He gives us his glory. He gives us a home. He, he puts us higher. But he helps us to continue to walk in this. And this is part of what this passage is about. He continues to empower us as we go. And I've been talking a lot about kind of the individual right now, yeah? I've been how he empowers like us individually. And that's true. But that's just one aspect of what this prayer is saying. And I really want to touch on this next bit. But it it goes much further. It's not just an individual type glory and empowerment that we get um, from Jesus. It's not just an individual thing. It is important that it is, but it isn't. And it's, it's easy to see, it's easy to read the Bible, it's easy to, for us to interpret everything, even when we're at church, through that kind of individualistic lens, because a lot of our culture we're in is quite that way. Um, but he's meaning more collectively in this passage. His language is like that. So you go back to verse 22 and 23, um, just for an example, and he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they multiple, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. So yeah, it's individual. Sure, it has to be in some sense. But the other side of the same coin is that it's collectively. He does this collectively as his church. And that's who Jesus died for. He desires that we as his people would be unified and one in the same kind of way that we're unified with him individually, in this way. He wants this collective oneness. It's not just an individual thing. He wants that with like us here between us, but also us as a collective between 
him. So it's almost like three different levels you can look at this. It's like us individually with him, us collectively here, but then us collectively there with Jesus. He's seeking, he's praying for this oneness, this unity between us. But what unifies us? That's my question. What is the actual thing that unifies us? Because most of us would have different backgrounds, different cultures for some of us that we've grown up in, um, different experiences, some similar. And you think about the world around us, not just at Wynnum Baptist or in Wynnum Manly area, but like you see so many Christians around the world from all different kinds of like backgrounds and ethnicities and cultures. And what is the one thing that, that kind of unifies us? What's the one thing? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The central thing that we collectively, as apprentices of Jesus, no matter our background, the single thing that we're centered on and unified by is first and foremost Jesus. It's Jesus. And this is why when we come together and we have this beautiful worship together, it isn't just an individual thing. We do this collectively. We come here as brothers and sisters in Christ and we worship God collectively in unity because he's the point. He's the person we came for and he's the thing that unifies each and every one of us no matter how different we are. This is why we do communion. This is why it's not just an individual thing for communion. It's something we come together to do. We can do it individually still, but we come together to remember Jesus. Yeah, We come back together to remember the central thing of our faith. And this is why we pray together, not just individually, but collectively. Because it's important. Because we want, as a group of people, as the family of God, to be centered on Him. We want to be refocused. We want to glorify Him and make Him the center. We want Him to be the spectacle that our life should be consumed with, not these other random little things. We want Him. This is why we do accountability groups. This is why we do small groups. We do why we do aligned groups and a large part of why we do our ministries. Everything we do should be centered around this apprenticeship, the centering of Jesus. It's our goal and it's our focus. And we're unified by Jesus. And it's a crazy thought. I didn't write this down, but it's interesting that Jesus would, would want this kind of unity between us and him. And... I think to myself, and it's not like a, oh, put shame on yourself or, or anything like that, but it, it makes me think, we have a beautiful church, but it makes me wonder, I wonder how much more we could be this unified, glorif- God-glorifying unit of people that could go out into the world and love him if we would just come back to Jesus each day. If we could do that each day and not be so distracted by the different things of our world, um, and it's not hard to do. I've said that many times in other, other sermons. It's not hard to get distracted. It's not hard to... There's heaps of spectacles out there. But how much more could he do if we were so much more open? If we could center ourselves, despite our differences, just on Jesus? How much more could he do? So we've got a bit of... I'm going to invite the team up in a minute. So we've got... 
um, out, uh, after church is free today. The cans are still a dollar fifty. I didn't get them for free. Um, the food, <laughs> the food is uh, from this morning. We had a not an, an awesome lunch at the morning service, and there was a heap of like roast chicken and potato and stuff on salad. So we're going to do that. But I'm going to encourage you guys, um, just in the sense of community, the sense of um, coming together as God's people, and how important that is. I, we're going to put them some papers. Um, with just a few questions on it, just to contemplate our apprenticeship to Jesus individually and as as a collective group and just to pray together around a bit of food. Um, so I really encourage you to do that. And um, so, But one of the major things I want us to focus on is searching ourselves individually, asking God to search our heart as in individually and our heart collectively of whether he is actually if we're actually being an apprentice of him or if there's many other things we're kind of all over the place being an apprentice of, is he the central thing? We sing about this, is that, that this is all I want. And to be honest, sometimes I sing and I'm like, God, I, I don't feel like you are always what I want. But this is a time not to feel bad on yourself, but to kind of go, Lord, I do want that to be the case. I want you to be the primary person that I look to, the primary person that I am an apprentice to, that I'm spending time with, that I'm doing life for, that I'm becoming more like. And then I want you guys to think about it on an individual level, on a collective level, and what steps can we take? What kind of accountability can we give each other? Maybe you want to go with a group of friends. Um, and then tell them, just be like, I'm struggling with this or that, this or whatever it might be. But tell someone, be honest. I, I really encourage you to do that. So I'm going to invite the team up, but we're going we're gonna to pray, hey? Lord, I thank you that you do lift us high, that you give us this glory, Lord God, not in a selfish look at me way, but Lord, you lift us higher than we could ever have asked or ever have expected, higher than we ever deserved. And Lord, I I pray that we would be a church that's marked by a people that can show the love of Christ through our apprenticeship to you, Lord God, that our single focus, our single greatest focus, and the single biggest thing that we're centred on as a people is you. Amen. I did actually forget to mention the last little bit of this message. I went a little off script. It says in that last verse, verse 23, and it says in the second half of it, it says, Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as even, even as you have loved me. So it's when we actually do this individually, it feeds into our collective, and when we do it into our collective, it feeds into our individual. But when Jesus is center, when he is most important, when we're focusing on our apprenticeship to him, the world will see it. And the world needs to see it. It needs to hear this love. It needs to see it, not just hear it. So I encourage you guys, let's, let's dig deep. Let's make this an intimate time with God where we surrender as his church.